It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. Especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in depth they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth you probably should pay him but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Corrales and J. King. Locked on trying to get the 18th ring. So you can miss me with the blah blah. No more Geno time. We watching Jay do the Zaza. Hey there, and welcome to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Despite technology's best efforts, we are here doing a show that we should have been done with by now, but we're just starting it. You don't give a shit about that. You just care that I, John Corrales, <laughs> and him, Jay King, we're here. The Rain and Jays, we're here. We're back. We're talking about a basketball game that the Celtics won in Miami. And that was just such a weird game. We're going to get to this 105-95 win by the Celtics after what was really kind of a perfect first quarter. The best first quarter, the best quarter of the season for the Celtics, maybe. Uh, A pretty good first half, a crappy third quarter, and then the wildest fourth quarter that involved ejections and uh, unnatural acts and and Al Horford (laughs) heroics. So Don't you what, just love unnatural acts, man? That is going to be the word of the season, the phrase of the season for for the Celtics. The phrase of this show, I should say, is SeatGeek, because they're bringing us this show. SeatGeek is uh, the app that you should be downloading right now as you're listening to us, if you haven't already, so you can get uh, tickets to the next Celtics game or a show, or if you're a fan of other sports, Download the SeatGeek app. It's guaranteed. It's fast. They do all the legwork for you. Check out the SeatGeek app. But unnatural acts are just going to naturally kill me this year. I have no idea what an unnatural act is. And even this one tonight, let's just start with that, with Justice Winslow. I that was weird. He, I thought he just kind of jumped and had his knee up like people do when they jump. It's not like yeah. the Draymond Green. I mean, it's the Draymond Green rule where he's sitting there kicking people in the nuts. This I don't I don't understand. Yeah, it, it's tough to to gauge first of all intent. Like are you going in there and trying to fend off the defender so that you don't get hit? Like that's not an unnatural act. That's just trying to 
stay healthy and trying to make it so that Marcus Smart doesn't kill you. <laughs> like it's I don't know. It, it's it, there's a very thin line there. I I think when it's close, they should go the other way. Like if it's close, do not call the technical. If it's close on Isaiah Thomas, how is that a flagrant too? He was he he was just going to the trying to start a drive to the hoop. Like he's not somebody who just throws malicious elbows. He didn't I don't think it was intentional at all. It didn't look intentional. And to call a flagrant two and an automatic ejection with three minutes left in the fourth quarter when somebody doesn't even try to do it, it just seems ridiculous. That blows my mind because that's, that's the other team's star player. You have now ejected the other team's star player. You have ejected the star player for the Boston Celtics. For One what? of the star players. One, One of the star, the players. star players. One because of the star players. As we saw against the Heat, it is nice to have two stars. Yes. Al Horford, when Isaiah Thomas went out, Horford was there to have the spin baseline against the mismatch in the post and then the pick-and-pop jumper, and it was over. That was it. The Heat, he was like, goodbye, sorry, you're tucked into bed. (laughs) Maybe next time. I'm too good for you little peasants. But here's Isaiah Thomas, who in six and a half minutes in the fourth quarter scored ten points. On three or four shooting, two of three from three, a couple of free throws. He's having an Isaiah fourth quarter. I tweeted out Isaiah fourth quarter alert. That's a league pass alert. And to look at that play, and there was no intent to to hurt or throw that elbow. There was nothing malicious about it. How does it how do the referees legitimately say we're gonna throw out any player, but then on top of it, as the league, as putting together a product for fans to see, how do you justify kicking out a player that is entertaining the the audience? I hate to put it that way, but like that's that's a fact. When you go to the league office and they look at that play and say you kicked out Isaiah Thomas for that. I'm all, look, if, if he intended to do it, then yes, but he didn't intend to do that. Yeah, and it, it's it's all. And earlier in the game, Hassan Whiteside had elbowed Kelly Olynyk, and that was just a flagrant one. So, so what's the line? I guess where is the line here that they decide that's a flagrant one, that's a flagrant two? Like, I, I just I just don't get it. I guess, it, and I don't think in a lot of cases referees get that line it's just such a thin line between okay it's a flagrant one no big deal and it's a flagrant two the all-star point guards ejected and the celtics are going to have to play without him over the last three minutes of the game yeah so i I, I just go ahead it all bugs me it all it all bugs me but it's gonna happen as a fan watching the game okay i get the white even the white side thing was borderline but in today's NBA, that's a flagrant one. Fine. So Isaiah Thomas's, I was prepared that will be a flagrant one that just happens. As a fan, as a guy who pays money for tickets to watch this game and see this, I'm pissed off. If I sat there and downloaded the SeatGeek app specifically to buy tickets to this game and watched one of the guys I went to go see get kicked out at his time, how pissed off would I be? even though I'd be very happy to have used the SeatGeek app because I know by using it, they've done all the legwork for me. They went out and they checked all of the ticket sites. 
they went out and did everything for me. They just put everything on my phone and said, here are the tickets that you should be buying. And if you watch this game, there are plenty of tickets over there in Miami to be had for great prices. A lot of people not going to these games. So when you're out there and if you're in town, I, I, I should have been in Miami tonight. I really should have been because that is an easy ticket to get. Especially easy when you use the SeatGeek app. I know SeatGeek does all the work for you. I know SeatGeek gives it a grade. I know they back everything with a 100% guarantee. And on top of it, if you're out there for any of these next Celtics games or a show or a football, if you're a football fan or any other sports fan, you can use this for all of that stuff. Anything that sells tickets, basically. Download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab. Add click a promo code. Enter LOCELTICS. You get $20 back after your first SeatGeek purchase. Download the SeatGeek app, enter LO Celtics in the settings tab, $20 back after your first SeatGeek purchase. Shout out to SeatGeek because I used that today to buy my little brothers some tickets to Celtics Thunder. December twenty third for Christmas. Perfect. Got to get them tickets to the Russell Westbrook show. So, this time of year, it's a great. It's a great way to. Yes, that's good. I like that. I, I don't think they it? listen to the podcast, so I, I hope they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Your cheap ass was going for rebates. No, you are a smart consumer. You're a smart consumer by because you use SeatGeek. You enter LO Celtics, you get twenty bucks back. They get great seats. You know you're getting a great deal. But I would still be pissed if I had done all of that stuff that I just said and I watched Isaiah Thomas get kicked out in the fourth quarter. Luckily, luckily, Al Horford was there to step up. And Al Horford has been getting a ration of shit from some Celtics fans about his fourth quarter performances. And I think he shut a lot of people up tonight because Horford went out there and all he did was score 11 points in the fourth quarter on 5 of 7 shooting to, to help the Celtics ward off the the Miami Heat. This is all after the ejection. So IT gets kicked out of the game and everything gets frantic. The the arena, the five thousand people who are there start going crazy and whatever else they've pumped into the arena. The team, the Heat start going crazy. They're energized now. They see an opportunity to strike. The Celtics get caught up in this emotion. Their offense is frantic. They're moving too fast. They're, they're making a lot of mistakes. And then finally, suddenly, they settle down. They get it into Al Horford in the post on a mismatch, and he scores a three-point play, gets the bucket, gets the foul, and that calms everything down, and the Celtics do enough to hold off Miami. I, and I want to say on that play, Jay Crowder should get a lot of credit on that play because – Horford, it was Horford, Smart, and Crowder. And Whiteside had switched onto Smart. And Smart whipped it to Crowder. And Crowder immediately gave it back to to, to Smart so he can get it back into Horford in the post. So Crowder recognized that. Smart didn't seem to recognize it right away. He gave it to Crowder, and Crowder immediately gave it back to him. And that's what allowed Horford to get that mismatch and go baseline and get that three-point play. So I just want to give Jay a little shout-out for understanding what was happening there and getting the ball back to where it should be. Shout-out to Crowder. He also had five steals, looking 
more like the disruptive force he was last year. I don't, I don't think he's been moving too well since the ankle injury. Like, definitely hasn't been 100%. When somebody asked him last week if he was 100%, he just said no. Didn't expand on that at all. <laughs> just said no. He looked like he was moving well. Uh, one thing that's happened lately is that teams have used point guards to guard Jay Crowder and put lengthier guys on Avery Bradley and or Isaiah Thomas. So I don't know if the Celtics can punish that further. Uh, he, he did punish a little bit when the Thunder did that and put smaller guys on him. I think they put Anthony Morrow on him, and he, it, was, it was a wrap. But he, he didn't do too much to hurt Goran Dragic in the post. And really, that should be a matchup the Celtics just pummel. I don't know whether it's he, need, he doesn't have the post game to do it or they don't want to get outside of their offense too much to do it. But if, if guys are going to put six-footers on Jay Crowder, then he should be able to draw some free throws, get some easy buckets. Uh, I, I don't know if that strategy will continue, but it's definitely something that's happened over the last few games. Yeah, I, here's the thing, though, and this is kind of uh, this is today's NBA kind of thing happening here. So you put a smaller guy in Crowder, and, and our reaction is, you well, then you mouse in the house, you put him in the post against the little guy and let him work. But increasingly it seems like posting guys up in today's NBA is, is not seen as entirely efficient. That when you dump the ball into somebody in the post, inherently everyone just stands around and watches. And let you have to basically let this guy do one-on-one work. So... Yeah, if Crowder has a point guard on him, he's a big, huge monster of a guy. He should back down a point guard and get the opportunity to work in the post. But teams have kind of de-emphasized that a little bit because no one wants to see one guy with the ball moving slowly with his back to the basket and four other guys just kind of wondering what to do. So... There are other there are other ways he did attack. Like he went, there was one time he he a shot went up outside and he was already on the block, just bodied Dragic for the rebound. So if teams do that, he's got to find ways to to punish that strategy because teams are going to go to they're going to put length on Isaiah Thomas. They're going to have small guys sometimes defend Crowder, and the more they can hurt that, the the better it is. Whether it's a post up, whether it's offensive rebounds, whether it's drawing free throws, whatever it is. Uh, but but that's definitely something that's happened a lot or pretty frequently lately. Yeah, I agree. I agree that, and it's just a byproduct of how the other teams are trying to guard uh, Isaiah Thomas and Avery Bradley. So Crowder becomes the guy that gets the mismatch. Not that they think we can guard him with point guards. It's that they want, like you said, to put the length on on the smaller guys. So. Look, if you this goes under, you take what the defense gives you. And Crowder is in a a good enough score where he can make you pay. So I, I'm all for it, and I'm all for bucking the the current trend. Why not get him in the post? And yeah, his his back is to the basket, but that's that allows him just back him down a little bit, get a little turnaround jumper. That's an easy basket to make, and he's a good enough passer where. If someone does ultimately send a double team, boom, that's what you want. That's what's going to trigger the ball movement because once that double team comes and you start forcing them into rotation, then something else is going to open up. So if if other teams want to start employing that strategy, fine. 
make them pay, and force that defense to to have to adjust and and make some changes. So uh, hopefully Crowder can get better and start moving a little bit better. I know they got a, a big stretch of games coming up where they're playing. Uh, I didn't look at the schedule, but I want to say it's like it's not a four game and five night stretch, is it? But like they have like three games and they have coming up. a lot of games on Christmas week, <laughs> a whole lot of games. Yeah, <laughs> that is one thing I noticed when I looked at the schedule, which is I was this like, week. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could have had some time with my family, <laughs> but, but <laughs> yeah, so they have a lot of games this this upcoming week. They're they're a busy schedule, not necessarily the the best teams. But it's it's a tough schedule from from travel and and play so many games standpoint. It's a good thing they're fully healthy for this because you know they, they might need to limit minutes. They might need to consider um, lightening guys' loads. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's a tough stretch coming up as far as a lot of that. When we're talking about Crowder in the post, he usually he often settles for fadeaway. I like to see him go harder to the hoop, use his size, get some free throws. I don't think he does that enough. You know, if if you see him with a, a an advantage down there, he, he's usually like he turns over his left shoulder, shoots a fadeaway jumper. Go to the hoop, man. Um, other things that happened tonight, Isaiah Thomas. I mean, that beginning of the fourth quarter, they, the, he did cut it to six, and Stevens went to Thomas at the beginning of the fourth quarter, which he's done the past couple of games, which hadn't been a thing at all, really ever that I can remember. And Thomas, eight points over the next three minutes, two three-pointers, really calmed things down. For a while, it looked pretty bad. Dragic was killing them. Whiteside was killing them. And Thomas came in and was like, sorry, guys, you're still the Heat. We're a lot better than you are. I'm a lot better than you are. This game is pretty much over. Well, yeah. And I kind of want to – it's so hard to figure out right now, and I think Brad Stevens is trying to figure this out himself, so – how how to use Isaiah Thomas? We thought he was going to play the whole fourth quarter, and obviously, you can't do that when you get kicked out. But assuming <laughs> that no one anticipated an ejection, but he he still came out in the middle of the, of the fourth when I, I saw a couple people tweeting, "Okay, I guess Isaiah is going to start because he started the fourth he's going to start playing entire fourth quarters now. Like that's going to be the new thing. I'm kind of curious. And and one of the things that in, in the past week or so, the Marcus smart versus, uh, not versus Marcus smart and Isaiah Thomas together on the floor. How do they work? How is this? I'm starting to wonder if smart and Thomas on the floor together should be more limited and, because Smart has shown himself to be so much better as a point guard that you either don't play them as much together except for maybe down the stretch where you might want them on the floor together for various reasons, but or maybe when they're both on the floor, you play Isaiah almost exclusively off the ball and, and run some action. I remember last year we loved Isaiah off the ball a lot because it just gave teams a different look. It gave the defenses a different look. So if you're going to play smart and Isaiah together, why not have smart run, run the offense, have Isaiah coming off, off of screens, run some action run some of those 
kind of like uh, Ray Allen type of, you know, multiple screens and stuff like that. And then once he gets the ball, he can create for himself. But just, I think, I think this is just part of the natural progression of Marcus Smart's development and Brad Stevens trying to figure out how to use these guys. So uh, it's just one of these things that we're trying to figure out. I, I, I'm starting to think that that's more of what I'm looking for when, when those guys are on the floor. Yeah, I, I think that's how they usually play it. Um, and if you look at the numbers right right now, when Smart and Thomas are on the floor, the Celtics are getting smacked by 5.8 points per 100 possessions. And most of, their, most of their minutes have come in those three-guard lineups that we talked about so many times that haven't been good. But it, it, it's... I, I do agree that they're better with Marcus Smart handling the ball in those situations and Tom, or yeah Thomas you know coming off screens and still being a playmaker, still being the di- dynamite offensive player he is, still touching the ball quite a bit, but doing it in different ways he might when he's the full-time point guard. So I, I'm not convinced they shouldn't play together. I'm not convinced it's a bad pairing. I, I do think that they're better off with Smart probably handling the ball more often with that group because he's just not as good a spot-up shooter. He, he When he's off the ball, he, he's not as much a threat. Obviously, you see him with the ball, and he can make a lot of nice passes. He can he can run your, your team, but he, he just has trouble putting the ball in the basket, as we've said so many times. Uh, I thought uh, one thing he, he's done a few times, which I've noted, he's like, He's getting in trouble driving to the right, getting under the basket, and just having no plan when he gets there and kind of throwing BS passes to the opposite wing. He's gotten a few of those picked off over the last few games. Got to cut that out of his game. I don't know what's going on there. Part of it seems like he's just not confident enough to go up and try to finish the ball. So he's he's got some things to work on. But, yeah, when he's with Thomas, it I, I think that the Celtics achieve peak spacing when Marcus Smart has the ball and Thomas and three other shooters, whether it's Bradley, Crowder, Horford, whoever, are on the perimeter. Like, th- that's that's when their spacing is at its finest. That's when they get guys rolling down the hoop with, like, nobody around because the defenders don't want to leave anybody else on the perimeter. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, John. <laughs> I just want to thank you for being with me. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> the solidarity that's great i think i wonder if smart's kind of gotten away from trying to finish at the rim because he hasn't been getting the calls and his he he has been fouled a lot trying to finish and he hasn't been getting a lot of the calls and i think part of that maybe as as i've said on the show it may be some level of kind of for lack of a better term, punishment for all of the flopping that he does, that maybe referees don't believe that he's being hit the way he's being hit because he embellishes so much. So he's got to go back and earn their trust. But in the meantime, he's sick of going there and forcing up shots. If if you're driving and getting fouled and there are no calls, those end up just being misses and you're – percentages around the rim start to look like real crap and and his due so i i i wonder i just wonder if 
some of it may be some level of confidence lost or, or trying to adjust to the game or how he's been officiated. So this is the first year, though, that he's really started to claim this role as a true point guard on this team, as a primary ball handler and distributor on this team. And for him to just be, this is year three for him, there's a lot for him to learn. There's a lot for him to to kind of figure out. So the stuff that you're saying and the stuff that I'm saying, sure, it, it all applies. But I feel like as he continues on, he's still only 22 years old. As he continues on, he's going to figure out when he should, you know, when he jumps up in the air and has no plan, I think he might have to start figuring out, like, I need a plan when I start jumping and doing this stuff. So, uh, just another part of his progression. I think sometimes, too, he seeks out contact rather than just trying to go and finish the play. Like, Like Isaiah Thomas, when he goes to the hoop, he's going to score. And sometimes he gets blocked. Sometimes it doesn't work out. But every time he's going there and he's he's trying to put it up against the backboard and get a bucket. Whereas Smart goes in there and even that that nice uh, post up bucket he had over Dragic, it's like he's double pumping. He's trying to draw the foul, and then the, like the last thing on his mind almost yep. is actually trying to put the ball in the basket. Like just create some separation, go to the hoop strong, use that big body of yours to. The contact will come. If you go to the hoop hard, the contact will come. So part of it, I think, is he doesn't have much vertical explosion in certain situations, but also like just the way he approaches going into layups, I think, can could could stand to change and improve. Because and, he, he should really be drawing more free throws than he does. Yeah, I know. I agree with that. And, you know, it, he doesn't do this anymore. Or he, I haven't seen it this season, but a good example of what you're saying is what he has done in the past uh, out at the three-point line, where if a guy's kind of closing out and running past him, he would, rather than just try to take the shot, would try to kind of kick him, kick his body out somehow and draw contact. And I remember over the past couple of years, it pissed me off. I'd tweet, just, just shoot the ball like a normal person. And he's more worried about drawing the contact. So I can absolutely see what you're saying. When he's going to the rim, it's that same mentality. And that's that's just him. That's just what Marcus Smart is. Marcus Smart looks for contact. He's always looking for the foul, which is crazy because he doesn't draw a lot of fouls. He only shot two free throws tonight. So for a guy that's so consumed by drawing contact and flopping and getting fouls, he doesn't get to the line a lot. There's no payoff in all of that stuff. Indeed. So. <laughs> it, so. Indeed. I mean, this was just, it was kind of a, a weird game. The first quarter was perfect. The shot 15 for 23. Dominant. Five of eight from the arc. Avery Bradley was sinking everything. They were forcing tons of turnovers. They were converting those into buckets almost every time. The ball was whipping around. And then there, there was kind of a, a little lull for a little while, but but then Thomas was there at the beginning of the fourth. Horford was there at the end of it. And Horford, w- one thing that's, that stood out, like other teams go to the, – the Heat went to a super small lineup. And it was James Johnson and Justice Winslow at the four and five. And, you know, last year if the Celtics 
had that would have given the Celtics fits. It would have been like Jared Solinger was was trying to scamper after these wings, or Amir Johnson was having trouble trying to stay in front of someone. Now it's like Horford can handle the quickness defensively, and then offensively he just tortured that lineup. He he got a dunk, he got two layups in a row, and he really punishes you. And that's a great thing about him. He he can he can play your bigger guys. He can match up against Whiteside if you need him to. And then if you need him to slide his feet to stay in front of Justice Winslow, that's cool too. And then he'll pulverize them at the other end. So Horford's versatility was on full display against the Heat tonight. I, I thought, you know, obviously that's one of the things that, that makes him so good is that he can be successful in just about any type of situation. But when Miami downsized like that, which is just about as small as you'll see any team go, it was. It really stood out that that Horford can play against anybody, and that he he's just a mismatch when when teams try to do things like that. Yeah, let's let's really. I want to appreciate the statistical brilliance of Al Horford tonight because uh, he he had a sick line the other night with the five blocks, and he he did so much of everything tonight. 17 points, 11 in the fourth quarter, down the stretch. Uh, eight, uh, eight assists for, for Horford, twice as much as anybody else. Seven rebounds to lead the team. Uh, two steals, a block, only one turnover. He shot seven of 15. The only deficiency in his game, he, he was off tonight from three. He was 0-4 from three. So that's the if you really want to have anything that you could be nitpicky about, but there, he, he was clutch. He did the things that you wanted a guy to do who uh, may not have been having uh, the best scoring net of his, uh, of his life up until the fourth quarter. All of a sudden, he, he came alive when you needed him to. It was just a great, a great all-around Al Horford game. He just seemed to be doing so much positive for everybody. When he was on the floor, you felt good about what was happening with the Celtics. And let's mention Bradley for a second because we always overlook – he was on fire. He was on fire. That first half was just unreal from Bradley. In the first half, he had 13 points on 6 of 9 shooting, uh, 1 of 2 from 3. Just everything he put up, it felt like it was going in. He and Isaiah just went back and forth. And in that first quarter, he was so money. 4 of 6 in the first quarter. Unreal. We always overlook Bradley, but he's he's just someone tweeted out that he's become like JJ Redick, which sounds kind of weird, but it's not really not that far off. This he, I, I get the comparison. He's not as good a shooter, but he does all the same, like running around screens and tireless working. And Redick is he's obviously a, a more capable on ball defender than Redick. But I think Reddick defensively is really, really solid. He does probably doesn't get enough credit for that because he's a shortish white dude. Uh, but in classic <laughs> Avery Bradley fashion, we're talking about how we don't want to overshadow him. I'm going to overshadow him again, man. <laughs> I need to bring it back to Horford. Right now, he's averaging 5.4 assists per game. I'm on basketballreference.com right now. Among players six foot ten or taller, there have only been... 14 seasons in NBA history with at least that many assists per game. Two of them by Wilt Chamberlain, two of them by Kevin Garnett, 
one by Kareem, one by Bill Russell, Lamar Odom, Sam Lacey, Vladi Divac, Joe Kim Noah, Jeff Rulin, Tony Kukoc, and Lamar Odom again. So it's like tons of great, great playmakers, great, great players, and Al Horford is going to join those guys if he maintains his current pace. We're you know, one-third of the way through the season. Obviously, Horford hasn't played every game, but he is just on a monster, monster playmaking pace for, for a guy his size. Yeah. And look, it, it's awesome to – you can just run the offense through him. When Isaiah's not on the floor, you can run your offense through Al Horford. Get him in the high posts. Get him out there, and he'll survey the floor. He'll make the right pass. The play – where he found Jarebko for that layup was beautiful. Just beautiful. He just sees things. He understands the game. He he knows what's going to happen. And if you, his teammate, can recognize these things at the same time, he will find you for easy baskets. So Al Horford is, as I like to say, good at basketball. And Alex at straight no chaser. There's so many underlines in there. Using the hashtag Rain of Jays, one guy who's pretty good at basketball, Al Horford, he's nice. Nice. Uh, and the shout-out at young Joe Seiden, also with the hashtag Rain of Jays, Avery is quickly becoming someone who is on a path to stardom, in my honest opinion. he's He is such a great two-way player now that I, I think that even if he doesn't improve, if this is the Avery Bradley we get for the rest of his career – that is an amazing player to have. He's not going to be your primary guy, but he's a guy that had, on any given night can be your your leading scorer. So uh, thanks for those tweets, yeah. guys. And, and, and if uh, you want to, send us tweets with the hashtag Rain and Jays. Send us questions. Send us observations. Shout out to my man, Rifesy. Rifesy, I feel like poor Daniel Rifer. He, he <laughs> tweets us all the time. And a lot of his stuff is good, good stuff, good observations. And we hardly ever, ever put his stuff on here. I don't even know why. It's like normally, like for what? So he's we'll like Avery two. Bradley, just overlooked, we'll man. So <laughs> shout, shout yeah, out to Rifesy. Solid, always tweeting. Well, I'm going to give you your due. We'll give you two tweets. Uh, one, this strategy of not missing shots is working well tonight. We should use that game plan more often. Yes, the Celtics, when they are making shots, uh, not bad team. Not a bad team. And this is this is a good one. Only Boston could lose a rebound to a dude sitting on the floor. <laughs> not only only Boston could lose a rebound to a dude sitting on the floor. They did it twice this season. That was the second time yeah. that ball. Fell to Whiteside sitting on the floor early on. This is the second time yeah. this season. And it's hard. It's hard to get too too mad at them because first of all, their defensive rebounding has improved drastically from the beginning of the season when they were a shit show. And then, second of all, it happened during the first quarter when they were just decimating the Heat. So it was it was tough to get too mad at it. But damn, it's like. How do you do that twice yeah. in a season? Like if that just if that was the first time in that situation, you said you're like, oh, that's weird. Twice this year, and I'm not at all going to be surprised if it happens another time. 
that a guy just sitting on his ass under the basket will have an offensive rebound fall to him somehow because the Celtics give up offensive rebounds way too easily. You're right. It's been better. The rebounding has been better. But sometimes it just kind of slips and that shit happens. (laughs) So it's hilarious. Uh. But, hey, look. They won. They went into Miami. It wasn't pretty. Some people in the middle of that third quarter, which was terrible. Third quarter was terrible. I admit that. We're we're very, very negative about the team. I get it, but look, they they had a twenty two point lead at one point. They did some nice things in the third quarter, even in that it wasn't great. They they hit some big shots in the third quarter to kind of at least keep Miami at bay. In the NBA, every team makes a run. So that's the cliche. It was true. And they they did what they needed to do. They ended up winning by 10 on the road. That's that's a good win. And for a significant portion of this game, they played pretty well. So I'm gonna I'm I'm not gonna be negative about this win. I, I think winning a game on the road is just you take it, especially with the way the Celtics had been playing. Just take, take it. it. Take it. Close close them out. Without Isaiah Thomas, after things got a little weird. <laughs> yeah, your best player got ejected, and your second best player stepped up and did what he was supposed to do. Weird, yes, weird. That was a weird fourth quarter. But they won, and we're moving on. We're moving on. This is a busy week, uh, culminating with the noon game on Saturday in New York, kicking off the Christmas uh, – Sunday – Kicking off the Christmas uh, slate of games, we all know Christmas is essentially the real opening night for the NBA. This is when they really start uh, putting their the, the the big marquee matchups out there. So nice to see the Celtics back on Christmas Day. If you're trying to get into that game, download the SeatGeek app. It's it's going to be expensive. I have looked. Uh, the cheapest ticket, if you wanted to go to New York and go to that game, the cheapest ticket that I saw yesterday was like 135 bucks. So not cheap to get in, but the cheapest way to get in would be through the SeatGeek app. They're going to find you that best deal. And if you use the, the promo code LOCELTICS, you download the app, go to the settings tab, and use the promo code LOCELTICS, whatever that is, you're going to get 20 bucks back. So... Why not? If you're looking to give yourself a Christmas gift, if you're trying to be generous like Jay and give a family member or somebody the Christmas gift, do it. So that's it. Celtics win. You win. We're happy. That's the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been the Locked On Celtics Podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked on 
Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.